two for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. A message presented to you by our associate pastor. So you please welcome this morning, Pastor Angela Waite. Good morning, good morning. I'm so excited to be bringing the message to you today. If you're joining us online, we welcome you. We're so glad that you chose us. So a couple pulled over to a gas station to fill their car up and they were just a mile or two from her parents' house and the gas station attendant looked into the car and said, Beth, oh my gosh, girl, how are you? So they have this beautiful conversation and the husband's just sitting there at the wheel. They pull off and he said, Beth, would you like to tell me who that is? She said, oh, honey, that's Johnny. That was an old boyfriend from high school. And he said, well, what a loser. If you'd have married him, you'd have been married to a gas station attendant. She said, no, honey, if I married him, he would have been the CEO and you would have been the gas station attendant. It's funnier than that. <laughs> Ladies, you are women of influence. When you speak, it means something. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. Yes. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and just saturate this atmosphere. Yes. Come. Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would be heard through me. If there's anything in my personality or delivery that causes anyone to be confused or causes anybody to stumble today, God, I ask you to hide me behind your anointing. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Mother's Day is oftentimes very painful, and I am quite aware of that. I remember a season in my life when I was unable to attend church on Mother's Day. So I understand your heart this morning, some of you. I want to tell you right now that you're in a safe place this morning. I will not ask every mother to stand up. We will not be counting your children, although I honor you today. We will not be handing out chocolates. We do not have a reception in your honor for moms only. No one is excluded from the table today. Amen. So if you are a female in the house, regardless of your age, would you stand to your feet? All females, would you stand to your feet? I honor the position that God has given you, and that is you are life givers in the house. You are life givers, amen? Amen, I honor you. I honor you, ladies. You may be seated. And we can't go forward without honoring the mother of this house, amen? We adore you, Ruth Hudson. <laughs> We adore you, and I love you right back. Thank you. Oh, now we can get down to business. Amen? We adore you. Ladies, God has created you to nurture life. You are, in fact, a life giver. I want to remind you this morning about the account of Lazarus. This is not a typical Mother's Day message, but you just buckle up because we're going somewhere, okay? 
According to John chapter 11, Jesus raised him from the dead after he had been in the tomb for four days. Jesus, in a loud voice, said, Lazarus, come out! Sometimes when there's been something dead in your life for a really long time, you gotta raise your voice. Lazarus, come out! He said. Now verse 44 says this. The man who died, watch this, the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Thousands of women are alive in Jesus Christ today, yet tied up by grave clothes. Not free, not living, not nurturing, just breathing. Some are bound because of human tradition. Tradition that says, women, you're second class. Tradition and cultural ideas that says, you cannot carry out the highest calling of God's kingdom. These are the very linen strips that have many women bound this morning. Their eyes are covered so they cannot see God at work in your life. Your ears being wrapped to keep you from hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to you and your mouth being covered so that you cannot speak his word. Oh, Lazarus was alive, but his feet and hands were bound. If you are tied up, your hands and feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth all covered, well, you aren't going to be much good, are you? This is the reason Jesus said, unbind him. Unbind him so that he can be active more than just breathing. So how can we be life givers and speak life if our mouths are closed? How will we do that? I'm telling you right now, in the end, when he looks at you, he's not going to say, what did tradition allow you to do? He's not going to say, what did your culture give you permission to do? He's not going to say, oh, your family told you. He's going to look you square in the eyes, ladies, and he's going to say, did you do what I called you to do? Oh, we better get in the word really quick here, Pastor. I want us to look this morning at what some consider to be the difficult scriptures. I'm going to do that on Mother's Day. So if you thought I was going to bring you a sweet little message, I don't have one of those today. I want us to gain understanding. I believe that some of us today will be set free. Some men too. Some of us will walk in obedience rather than delayed obedience, which is disobedience today. And I believe that some of us are going to say yes to the call of God because of this message. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I got something to say. We're really going to do this today. Y'all ready? Here's the first question. Are women allowed to be leaders in the church? Are women allowed to be leaders in the church? Many argue that women should not be leaders in the church because Jesus called 12 men to be his disciples. They believe that the church should follow his example and appoint only male leaders If this is a valid argument, then I ask this question. Why narrow the qualification down to gender? 
Jesus selected only Jews from one nation and one region, and that would be Galilee. Each of them spoke Aramaic. So shouldn't we only choose male Aramaic-speaking Jews from Galilee to be leaders in the church? Luke 8, 1b says this. And the 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. The women mentioned here, ladies and gentlemen, were not stragglers pulling up the, lead, the back end. Are you following me? They weren't part of the entourage, entourage, watching from afar. No, some of these women were in the upper room and they received empowerment on the day of Pentecost. More on that in just a minute. Well, I believe that if we can find one woman that was a leader in the church, then this issue should be settled. Would you agree? If I can just find one leader, I believe it ought to be settled. I want us to consider Phoebe from Romans 16, who Paul sent a letter recommending her leadership. I want us to look at the apostle. Her name is Junius from Peter. Peter called her an apostle in Romans 16. And then Priscilla, who let, who watched this, who helped lay the foundations in the early church. Would you call her a leader? I believe so. Do you remember the account in Acts 18? It explains to us that a skilled preacher named Apollos was teaching the message of Jesus Christ. Oh, but he had never been taught about the baptism, and he had never been water baptism, nor the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, when this mama heard that, she stepped up to the plate and she said, oh, mm mm-mm. We're about to go to school, but here's what I want to show you. If you look in the scripture, it always says Priscilla and Aquila. I want to tell you something about listing of names. The name that is listed first is always the most significant. It is the most significant, and also it means it's the primary person about the topic we're talking about. So that means that Priscilla is the key leader. She's married to Aquila, but every time she's mentioned first. That says something, ladies, okay? It's okay to lead. It's okay to lead. Oh. Priscilla asked no one's permission. What do you do when Jesus tells you to lead? you better lead. Amen. So where are the Priscilla's in the house this morning? She became the spiritual mom to Apollos. And I love that. But you got to know that you're free before you can lead anybody else into freedom. If you're bound with linen strips where you can't speak his word, then you can't help anybody else be released to go there. Amen. You ready for the next one? Are women allowed to speak in the church? Are women allowed to speak in the church? I want us to take a look at 1 Corinthians 14.34 this morning. 
This would be a good time to buckle up. It says this. The women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but shall be in submission as the law also says. What law says that? That is not what the law says. That's a man-made Jewish rule. Y'all can go study that later. That's not the law. Don't be confused by that. So was Paul giving an absolute truth like the Ten Commandments? Or was he making a relative statement? Like he was addressing a particular situation. If Paul was saying that women should always keep silent, then he would have been uh, contradicting himself because just three chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, he told women to pray and to prophesy. And when he said that, he told them what to wear. Guess what else that means? That means say it out loud. You're going to get that later. Did you hear me? Sometimes silent don't mean silent. More on that. On the other hand, if Paul was giving an absolute truth, telling all women everywhere to be quiet in the church, we should apply his demand to all sounds coming from women in the church. That means don't you dare be worshiping. Don't you dare be singing. And don't laugh at my lousy jokes. You're making sounds and don't scuffle your feet when you walk. And don't you dare give God any glory. And don't you dare speak of the goodness of God out loud. Does that sound like Jesus to y'all? I'm just saying. So not only would women be bound from preaching. Don't sing. Don't you dare pray. And don't you give a praise report. Don't you stand up here and make announcements. I thought silence meant silent. Now, doesn't this sound silly to you? Yes? Me too. I believe that God's absolute principle should be guiding all of our thinking concerning men and, equal, men and women. And this is what I believe it is. It's equality. It is equality. There's no hierarchy in the Trinity. Only absolute Equality. Yes, yes. People contradicted this principle of equal value from all people early in history. In the book of Genesis, do you remember, folks decided to build a tower. We're still building towers today. They're just a little more subtle. Hierarchy, pyramid charts, structures trying to give folks more value than others. I tell you, we will never attain Unity, as Paul spoke of in Ephesians 4. One body, one faith, as long as we play into the enemy's plan. We're going to take this one step further. You ready? So are women non-profit? Go ahead and put that one up. Non-profit. There are at least two roles in Scripture for a prophet. If you are speaking on God's behalf, a prophet can mean the same thing as a preacher. Did you hear me? 
that's a prophet. It can mean the same thing as a preacher, one who speaks on God's behalf concerning the present. It can also mean one who foretells the future. So teaching is a necessary part of a prophet. Would you agree? If you are speaking on God's behalf, you will have to teach those who hear you. You can't speak of Jesus without instructing believers, enlightening the lost, and without teaching them something. So what am I saying this morning? Can I find one prophetess in the scriptures? I just need one to prove it to you, right? Okay, let me give them to you. By the way, women must keep silent in the church has to be a relative statement. Why? Who's the church? I am. Hmm. You are. Where's the church? Wherever I am. So are you telling me that wherever I am, I can't proclaim him? I'm not talking about this church building and neither is this. It's where I am. It's where you are. Miriam was a prophet according to the book of Exodus. She represented the authority of God to the people in the same way that Moses did. Deborah was a prophet, according to Judges. Among the judges of Israel, she was the only one who held the respected position of prophet other than Samuel. Anna, whom God used to announce the arrival of the Messiah when the baby Jesus was brought to the temple. This is a defining moment in Christian history, and God used Anna. And then there was Isaiah's wife. And Huldah from 2 Kings, my favorite, was a prophet. She verified the scroll of the law found in the temple and declared it to be God's word. And she helped to spark the great religious reform in the days of Josiah. Philip had four daughters and the Bible tells us they're all prophets. I believe we found more than one. Amen. And do you remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? 120 men and women, they were praying in the temple of Jerusalem and suddenly a violent wind blew in the outer courts and the colonnade shook and the pavement shuddered. Well, let me tell you what happened next. Peter immediately had to get up and say something. What did he have to say? He had to explain the supernatural acts and he had to explain all these women preaching because they didn't do that back then. But let me tell you what he told them. He said, oh, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. The global church, the global church was being launched that day with the absence of nationality, class, and gender barriers. The national, the global church with the absence of nationality, class, and gender barriers. Freedom was being birthed that day. Are we acting like it, ladies? You know, I was not raised in the church. I've shared this with you a couple of times, I believe, but a little different perspective this morning. What little I did know about the church, I knew three things. I knew, where's Ariel? Oh, is she the one that was guilty of playing cards? My mother said, never play cards. 
you don't gamble. I knew that. I still don't know how to play marbles, but you don't gamble with marbles either. (laughs) And women don't do this. Those are the three things that I knew that I thought were connected to the Bible. Women don't do this. Let me tell you something. God, when he calls you, the enemy will raise up a ruckus. He will use people. He will use people you don't even see coming to speak to you, to plant seeds in your heart as a six-year-old child, Ashley. Women don't do that. You see, he started early with me. So what do you think happened when my mother told me, women, don't do this? What do you think happened? I run for years because women don't do this. Oh, the enemy started early with me. I got something to say. You hear me? In the back of my mind, when God called me to the pulpit, I spent three days in the floor bawling. My husband would just step over me in the floor. I didn't bathe. I didn't eat. I didn't brush my teeth. I kept saying, God, choose him. He's way better. He's ordained. I'm a heathen. Choose him. Three days I begged God, and finally Jay looked at me and said this, Honey, it would take God longer to get this religious baggage off of me than it would be for him to get you ready. I love that man. Truth speaker. But you see, that was just a tool that the enemy used to abort the call of God on my life. So I say to you today, what are you listening to? And if you hear something that makes you go, oh, he wouldn't let me, you better get the Bible out and start studying. Okay? So that leads me to the third point. And Pastor Huey's going to take this one a little further next week, but I'm going to just touch on it a little bit today. Are women allowed to teach men? Are women allowed to teach men? What did I miss? And that's a teacher. Paul said to, watch this. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. Okay. Breathe. I do not have time to get into this, but I'm going to give you a little nugget to go study, okay? If you go back and you study all of 1 Timothy chapter 2, you will find in verses 9 through 10 that Paul is speaking to women. E-N, women. You will find in verse 15b that he continues to speak about women. E-N, plural. In verse 12, he speaks of woman. Why is that? I don't have time to tarry here. Why is that? Because he's speaking to a particular woman. Y'all going to need to go study that. Be ready for next week. He's speaking to a particular woman. Not all women. 
a particular woman raising a ruckus. Okay. So what does it mean? Some folks interpret this scripture to mean that no woman should ever teach a man anything, anywhere, at any time. We're not talking about denominations, but you know what I'm talking about. If this is true, it's only true in the United States because you get on the mission field and see what they require of you. You better be teaching, you better be speaking, and you better be casting out demons. They don't care what your gender is, amen? So what happens when a woman like myself writes a book? Should I put a banner on the front that says, heaven forbid, if you learn anything, men, I'm a woman. Don't read the book. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Remember earlier when I talked about absolute truth versus relative statements? If 1 Timothy 2.12 is a statement of absolute truth for all time, for all people everywhere, then we must apply that to every area of life. No woman should ever teach a man, period, if this is an absolute truth. I want you to think about this. There's a little bit of a problem with it because how could women, how could you teach male children at school? You would not be allowed to sit down. Are you following me? At any level of education, you would not be allowed to teach male children. You couldn't teach little boys in Sunday school either. If this is an absolute of Scripture, then we could extend it to say, don't you be potty training that little boy. And don't you teach him to tie his shoes and brush his teeth. How dare you do that? That is what it says if you interpret this incorrectly. So then I'm going to ask this question. Well, are there any women teachers in the Bible that taught men? You know I'm about to go in. Yes, there are. You ready? Have you ever read Mary's beautiful words glorifying God in Luke 1? Uh, Yeah, Luke 1, verse 46 through 55. Paul told Timothy that all Scripture was given by God for teaching. So if it is true that her words are in there and men aren't allowed to be taught by women, you better take those verses out. Take them out. Don't you read those, Edward? Because you might be taught. (laughs) He loves me. If God really did prohibit women from teaching men, then men must not read the verses that come through women, such as these words from Mary. How about Proverbs 31? It was given by King Lemuel, but the king acknowledged that it was an oracle from his mother who had taught it to him, and obviously she modeled the Proverbs 31 woman to him. So she taught him. So when you read that, guys, his mother said that. Did you know that in the Jewish culture that it is the mother's responsibility to teach young boys until the age of 12? Do you see why there's a problem with this verse? You have to know what is being discussed. What are we talking about? We're talking about a woman and a situation. This is not an absolute truth. It can't be. Those are the most formative years in a child's life. 
And those are the ones that God has entrusted to the mother, to the woman. Now I'm thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ next. Everything hinges on this according to Paul. Whom did God trust with this truth? The most important truth in the Bible? Woman. Women. So I have a question for you. Couldn't the angel have just as easily appeared to the men at their lodging place? Why didn't Jesus just go directly there instead of appearing and lingering, waiting for Mary Magdalene? He could have just showed up where the men were. He knew where they were. That's not what he did. He deliberately lingered in the garden so that men would have to hear or get to hear this unbelievable news from his daughter, a woman. He didn't have to. He chose to. He chose to. His mission was not gender biased. It was gender inclusive. There were no double standards, no limits on their God-given destiny. When we look back on what he did and what the Holy Spirit has done, we have to determine to do everything in our power to release those that God is calling. We have to make sure that we are not actively participating you better buckle up into the enemy's plan. We have to make sure that we are not actively participating in the enemy's plan. What is his plan? To cut the workforce by 50%. Did you know that two-thirds of the Christians, Bible-believing Christians are women? Two-thirds. And the enemy is trying to shut down 50% of that. 50% of the whole. And two-thirds are already women. Would you look at the impact he is having? It's startling. So when two-thirds of the Christians are excluded from the work of evangelizing, the loss for God's cause is so great that we almost cannot describe it. Describe it. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. It's time to set the women free. It's high time for the women to take their place. If you have something to say, he says you're allowed to say it. Not culture. It doesn't dictate you. You're going to stand before God. Yes. And I'm telling you, this is a house that releases you. Yes. Amen. What do you do when God's called you to lead, ladies? You lead. Yes. What do you do if he calls you to the forefront? You step up and you take your place. Yes. And what do you do if he calls you to the pulpit? Yes. Stand up and get yourself ready. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen? And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. Or if you would like to send us a prayer request, please email us at amen at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great...